Let us open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, which is on page 1101 of your pew Bible. We'll read the whole chapter. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah. Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Joram, Joram begot Uzziah, Uzziah begot Jotham, Jotham begot Ahaz, Ahaz begot Hezekiah, Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh begot Ammon, Ammon begot Josiah, Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought up from Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abihu, and Abihu begot Eliakim. Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Achim, and Achim begot Elihud. Elihud begot Eliezer, Eliezer begot Mathan, Mathan begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, and the begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make an example of her, a public example of her, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him 
and took to him his wife, and, he, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Our text for the sermon is the genealogy found in verses 1 to 17, which we have already read. This sermon was preached by Dr. Wes Bradenhoff. Beloved Congregation of Christ, our text for this Christmas, Christmas Eve morning, I should have changed that, features on a genealogy. Some people find genealogies boring, but others are fascinated by them. Historically, the Jewish people have always been keenly interested in them. They kept meticulous genealogical records, records that were preserved into at least the first century after Christ. When he wrote his gospel, Matthew would have easily been able to access these records. The big question is, why did Matthew put this genealogy in his gospel? Is it just because it's interesting? No, there's a deeper reason. The genealogy of Jesus says something about God. It tells us of God's faithfulness to all the promises he made in the Old Testament for a Redeemer. There was salvation promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but most importantly to King David. We sang about those promises in Psalm 89. God promised that the Savior would come as the son of David, from the line of David. This genealogy proves how God was faithful to what he had promised. This morning, we're not going to look in detail at every verse of this genealogy. Instead, I want to make more of a big picture approach. There'll be a couple of details we'll note, but we're more interested in what the genealogy, taken as a whole, is saying to us about God and the gospel. When we take it as a whole, one thing we need to see right away is how it's structured. Verse 17 tells us that it's been deliberately set up in three sets of 14 generations. That doesn't mean that there were precisely 14 generations in each one of those time periods. Matthew did leave out some generations, which happens in other biblical genealogies as well. What's important here are the 14s. What's so special about the number 14? In Hebrew, each letter of the alphabet also represents a number. If you add up the letters of the name David in Hebrew, it comes to 14. And David is also the 14th name on the genealogy. This isn't a coincidence. Scripture is pointing out how all of God's promises, which got focused on David and his offspring, Those promises are fulfilled with the coming of Jesus into this world. In this morning's Christmas sermon, we'll see how it's all been leading up to Jesus. We'll see how he came through sinners and he came for sinners. Putting together a genealogy always involves choices. There are certain lines you'll follow and there's others you won't. There are certain people that you might mention and others you might not. 
When Matthew wrote out this genealogy of Jesus here in chapter 1 of his gospel, he made certain choices. There are choices that stand out. For example, normally women are mentioned in various biblical genealogies. But when it comes to the genealogy of Jesus, which women would you mention? You might expect to have called on the model matriarchs of the Old Testament. You might expect Sarah, the wife of Abraham, or Rebecca, the wife of Isaac. Maybe Rachel and Leah, the wives of Jacob. But none of these model matriarchs were included. Instead, we have five women who all have a story. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. The first four all have one thing in common. Tamar was likely a Canaanite. Rahab was from Jericho. Ruth was a Moabite woman. Bathsheba was married to a Hittite, which would have resulted in her being considered a Hittite herself. So they were all originally Gentiles. Jesus has these four women from other nations in his family tree. All these women also have a background involving sin, even though it's not necessarily their own. Tamar presented to be a prostitute so she could sleep with her father-in-law Judah. Rahab was a prostitute in the city of Jericho before helping the spies. And as a Moabite, Ruth would have been a worshiper of idols like Chemosh. While scripture doesn't say that she was responsible for this sin, Bathsheba was the object of David's lust and and was sexually assaulted by him. She got dragged into this sinful, sordid story It's not exactly a family tree to be proud of. Then there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was alleged to have premarital sex with Joseph. While in God's eyes, Mary was upright, a favored one. According to the angel, people regarded her as far less. In this genealogy in Matthew, we're given the legal descent of Jesus through Joseph. Joseph was the adopted father of Jesus, and it's in the line of Joseph that we're following here in Matthew 1. Jesus is a legal heir of David because of his relationship to Joseph and the line tracking back from him. If we look at some of the men in that line, we again see sin and rebellion against God. There are notoriously wicked kings like Ahaz, Manasseh, and Ammon. Some of their wickedness included the sacrificing of children to Moloch. Terrible stuff, yet they're in the genealogy of Jesus. But when we look at the history of the patriarchs in the book of Genesis, the Holy Spirit didn't cover their blemishes either. We see Abraham's failure to trust God when it came to his wife Sarah in the foreign lands, not just once, but twice. Isaac does exactly the same thing with Rebecca. Then there's Jacob. His life is one episode of deception after another. Judah comes up with the idea of selling his brother Joseph to human traffickers. Even then, even when we look at the better kings in the genealogy, there are some horrible, sinful stories. I already mentioned David and what he did to Bathsheba. Their son Solomon was led into idolatry by his pagan wives. Hezekiah's heart was proud. 
Even King Josiah didn't listen to God and paid for it with his life. Even the best kings were sinners. And in the end, it all resulted in the biggest catastrophe of the Old Testament, the deportation or exile into Assyria and later Babylon. Because of their sinful rebellion, God exiled the people of Israel to Assyria and the people of Judah to the far-off land of Babylon. They were removed from the promised land and from the temple where God had dwelt with his people. The temple was destroyed. However, despite all of that, God never gave up on his plans to bring the Messiah into the world. Christmas was on God's schedule, and he kept working towards it. The way this genealogy is made up of sinful human beings really reminds us of the power of God. There's no sin that can stand in the way of his purposes. Even through all these sinners, God was going to be faithful to what he had promised. In Genesis, he had made a promise to the child of that woman was going to smash the skull of the snake. At times, the Old Testament looked grim. How was God ever going to come through on his promise with all that sinful messiness? But in his mercy and power and wisdom, God did come through. You know what that tells us about God? It tells us he can be trusted. You can trust him in the shadows and the valleys of life. Things might look grim for you right now, but look at this genealogy in all its dark moments. It all leads to the birth of Jesus, the dawning of light and hope. God could be trusted then and he can be trusted now. Whether it's sin burdening you or whether it's suffering, the good and wise God will be faithful to his promise to you. He's promised to be your father and to work out everything for your good. Look at this genealogy and see the evidence of how he's done it in the past and how he'll do it again, now and in the future. Trust your good and wise God, brothers and sisters. There's more encouragement here as we ponder what this genealogy tells us about Jesus. The 16th century reformer Martin Luther once commented on this genealogy and he said, O Christ is the kind of person who is not ashamed of sinners. In fact, he even puts them in his family tree. Exactly right. Even though Christ himself was conceived and born without sin, his family tree included sinners on every branch. As Hebrew 2 verse 11 says, Christ is not ashamed to call sinners his brothers. That includes not only his family tree going backwards, but also his family tree looking forwards. It includes us, though we too are sinners. If we look to Christ in faith and turn from our sins, we are included in the family of God. We're brothers and sisters of Christ, our elder brother, and the gospel proclaims that Jesus isn't ashamed to have it that way. Even though you and I are sinners, Jesus isn't ashamed to have us in his family. What a wonderful truth. But all those sinners in the genealogy of Jesus tell us something else too. They were all crying out for him to come. They needed him to come. And so he did. He came for sinners. And all of those generations from Abraham to Joseph, there were animal sacrifices for sin. 
millions of animals were killed and their bodies burned up on altars. Their blood was shed, millions of liters of it. All of those countless sacrifices were leading up to Jesus. God forgave the sins of his people through these sacrifices because they were pointing ahead to Christ. Nevertheless, these sacrifices had to be offered repeatedly over and over throughout all the generations. It was tiresome. The whole system of sacrificing called out for a once-for-all sacrifice. This once-for-all sacrifice would do two things. The ultimate sacrifice would cancel out sins. It would make them in the sight of God. It would erase them in the sight of God. This is what we call expiation. Expiation is the act of making amends or reparation for guilt or wrongdoing. That's the first thing. The other thing is propitiation. Propitiation is the act of gaining the favor of God. The ultimate once-for-all sacrifice would turn away the wrath of God and return his favor. That's what we call propitiation. So the once-for-all sacrifice would bring expiation and propitiation. That's what Jesus came to offer. He was born into this world as one of us. He came as a human being with a human genealogy. His humanity qualified him to make the once-for-all sacrifice, which would bring both expiation and propitiation. Because human, human beings having sinned, a human being has to be the one to take the punishment we deserve. He came for sinners. He came in the place of sinners. He came to offer what we couldn't offer ourselves, what no one in his family tree could offer for themselves. You see, no human being can make, sacrifice, make a sacrifice sufficient to expiate or to cancel sin. No human being can make the sacrifice sufficient to propitiate God, to turn away his wrath and return his favor. Hell is where sinners make the attempt, but hell is no but hell is eternal because no amount of time, no amount of suffering will be enough to satisfy God's infinite wrath against sin. We need Jesus to be our expiation and our propitiation. He came to be that for sinners. We also need the obedience that Jesus offered in our place. Having our sins canceled and having God's wrath propitiated the law still demands obedience going forward. Jesus offers that in the place of sinners too. Throughout his life on earth, he was perfect and sinless. That perfect obedience wasn't for himself, but for sinners. No human being has the obedience God requires. To go through that genealogy, or go through that genealogy and find the most upright person, who would you nominate? Boaz stands out in my mind. He was a really righteous man. Scripture calls him a worthy man. He proved it in the way that he treated Ruth. Now, even though the Scriptures doesn't record any particular sin of Boaz, if he was a human being, he was a sinful son of Adam and Eve. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need obedience. Jesus provided it. 
That's why when the Son of God came in the flesh, he was named Jesus. Jesus means Savior. He came with everything sinners need for salvation. Do you need your sins canceled? Jesus provides expiation. Do you need the wrath of God turned away and returned to his favor? Jesus provides propitiation. Do you need a full measure of the obedience of God's law? Jesus provides it. In all these ways and more, he is the Savior all sinners need. He was the Savior of all those people in the genealogy. They needed him to be their Savior. In his love for us, God has given us the greatest gift ever, the gift of his Son as our Savior. In his love for us, the Son of God agreed to be that gift and to come into this world for sinners. Loved ones, the gospel calls you again to embrace this gift of expiation and propitiation and obedience offered in your place by Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament was leading up to him and pointing to him as the Savior that you need. As Christmas, it's easy to get caught up in the sentimentalism of the season. A baby in the manger, a familiar Christmas carols that people sing but don't really think about, the giving and receiving of gifts, parties and get-togethers. But brothers and sisters, let's not forget the reason why we celebrate today. We celebrate God and his mighty work of salvation in Christ. It's salvation from sin, a salvation from the hell we each deserve. It's a salvation from the life devoid of ultimate meaning and purpose. Without sin, there would have been no birth of Christ and there would have been no need of the cross. Our sin made these things necessary. Our sin brought the Son of God into a lifetime of humiliation and suffering, starting in a manger. Christmas is a time of joy as we remember what God did to rescue us. But it should also be a time of sober reflection on why it all had to happen. The genealogy tells us the whole family tree led to Jesus, the one who came through sinners for sinners. Amen.